This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunday, the 30th of August. It's the bank holiday. Yeah, love the bank holiday. Well, sort of kind of, yeah, love the bank holiday. It's going to rain. It always rains on a bank holiday. It always rains when they've got the Reading Festival on, the Notting Hill Carnival. 7,000 police. I can't believe that's how many it takes to police it. As usual, come Monday morning, we'll have pictures of uh, jolly, large black ladies dancing with a policeman's helmet. It's the same woman she goes every year. She gets herself tanked up and she finds the policeman. She uh, takes his helmet up, she puts it on her head and that's the picture which appears in all the papers. I mean, I think she's been doing it for about 25 years. Uh, The bus company recruiting Romanian drivers who've never even been at the wheel before. And uh, Tila Tequila, drugs made me a Nazi. You can't make it up, can you? And it's phony factor. I thought I'd seen them before. I turned on to watch uh, the uh, the X Factor the other evening. Beautifully put together, beautifully crafted programme. Absolutely stunning. And they've played it differently this year. They've done it deliberately to wind me up. Normally, for about the first six weeks, they put on all the silly people. All the ones who sort of wander on and they go, so what's the dream? Won't be singer. Sorry? Won't be singer. All right. You want to be in the charts? Won't be singer. And so they put them on there. <laughs> I think drugs is the answer to most of these people. And uh, and then we all laugh at them when we point and go, look at these people, they can't sing. But this time round, they, they've gone one better. They've actually found a, a professional girl band in the Philippines to put on there and pretend that they've never done this before. And who are you? We're all sisters. And then they start singing. And Cheryl, of course, who quite clearly has never heard singing before live, must be a bit of a bit of a disappointment to discover there are people who can do it and look better than she does. They all looked a bit more, not full of figures, but I mean, Cheryl looks a bit gaunt, a bit emaciated, a little bit... <sighs> so she's sucked her cheeks in and can't... I mean, a really poor soul. I know she must be going through a dreadful time. It's very stressful sitting behind a desk wearing loads of makeup. Uh, Grimmy doesn't seem to contribute anything to the programme at all. But there again, how, how can he? You've got two sort of gobby women who want to say loads and loads of things, and Simon Cowell, I mean, poor old Grimmy, he doesn't contribute to it. I felt a bit sorry, you could have popped him in another room, really, and just gone back. Uh, do you have any any thought? OK, we'll come back to you later, shall we? And that's, that's the way it seemed to work. So they put on this, uh, this, uh, this girl band from the Philippines. Well, they've been on loads of these shows, they've got uh, hits on YouTube amounting to millions... They're not, they're not exactly sort of, we've just wandered over. And they paid for themselves to get over here. Now, you know that in Britain's Got Talent, they trawl circuses and they drag people back. It was like to come and appear on this. I've got stories of, uh, of people who've been asked to appear on the programme. They begged them to come and appear on the programme. It's their, they're making a show. You have to appreciate they're making a show. Don't, don't ever think that it's exactly as you see it on the television. Uh, because it's not. They have to do it. So, of course, in the audio, you go, oh, and they cut to all these people, you go, oh, like that, when you get a Filipino girl band that can sing. And uh, they were very good, but to be honest with you, a lot of screeching and caterwauling in there. And then we got rid of that uh, tequila, what's it, creature from so-called Celebrity Big Brother. And the celebrity is, well, we don't know what it is, actually, because there's nobody in there who's actually a celebrity. It's slightly disappointing. Slightly disappointing. But anyway, so they've got these people and then they kick this woman out because she dressed up as a Nazi outside a concentration camp and likened herself to Hitler. You can't help thinking, you know, I think, you know, as as the British Board of of Jews said, you know, this is just appalling. We don't need this kind of trash on the television. I don't even want to see this old biddy. I'm not interested. I'm really not interested. I think it's just, I think it's not a case of it's unnecessary. I'm not allowed to use the words to describe this woman. 
I'm really not, because I'd be dragged out of the building and flogged publicly. Woo! Look forward to that one. But uh, she says here, I, I want to I want to go back in. It's because I was on drugs. I don't care, darling, whether you, whether you were on Halliborange. I'm not remotely interested. Anybody who dresses up, you know, as a, as a Nazi and poses in front of an image of Auschwitz, I'm afraid, you're so low... You really have scraped the barrel. You really are possibly the worst person that I'd ever encountered. Actually, I encountered a nice person the other day. You know me, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit sort of oblivious to things that are going on. I, I, can, I can catch shoplifters all by myself. I'm very good at that. And I was the other day, and I was standing crossing the road in, in Twickenham, and uh, a lady went, hello, Steve. And I went, oh, God, Jane Horrocks. Now, Jane Horrocks lives in, in Twickenham. I've seen her you know, over many occasions, but you don't like to go up to people and go, hello, because I just think it's rude. She's out shopping. She's doing her own thing. She said, she said, oh, I said, I've seen you on loads of occasions, Jane. We were chat. We're standing in the middle of the road chatting, traffic going past either side of us. And uh, I said, I don't like to say anything to people. She said, well, I can't see them. She said, it isn't until I get up close to somebody, she can see who they are. She said, that's how I knew it was you. So we were sort of chatting away about the film and bits and pieces. And uh, so next time I see her, I shall, I shall go, hello, Jane. But uh, at the moment, we're just sort of keeping it on a on a sort of a celebrity kind of basis. Uh, let them loose. Apparently, Channel Five are planning a rival new show for Loose Women. Uh, loose Women lost its way some time ago. It lost its way when it put poor old Colleen Nolan on there, the one who la la's and can't sing for toffee. And then they actually got rid of uh, Denise Carroll. Uh, Jane, McDonald, uh, Denise Welsh, they went. And so Channel 5 have said, why don't we get these girls here and then get Carol Vorderman and Lisa Maxwell on board? And I think that'll do it. And I can't help but agree with them. I can't help but agree with them. Um, All five quit Loose Women after ITV decided to make the show more middle-class and newsy. Well, there's no point in asking... Somebody like Colleen Nolan, she hasn't got a faintest idea what she's talking about half the time. She drivels on in her funny little way. I mean, viewing figures have, have hit an all-time low on it. Used to have big figures, but then everything after a while runs out. And I think in Loose Women, I don't think actually the Channel 5 idea of, of making another programme is going to be the answer to it. I don't think there is any answer. That's like Simon Cowell the other day saying that X Factor is going to wipe the board with Strictly Come Dancing. And of course it is. People will end up watching Strictly Come Dancing, depending on how far down the line of the X Factor they start bringing in professional acts. And if they start bringing in too many professional acts, the audience will desert them because we want to watch poor old Peter Andre flounder. They were doing something the other day. I was going to mention this to uh, to Stig. I don't know if Stig's here for breakfast this morning. Is it Stig or is it Katie Hopkins? Or is it... Oh, is it Katie Hopkins? Oh, it's a shame. Well, it's not a shame because I like Katie, but uh, there was an article that they were filming a little bit... Uh, of the Strictly down on the railway in Epping. And I looked at the steam train, I thought, it's not the one they made the porno film on, is it? Could that? Could we be that lucky that Strictly didn't read the uh, the newspaper reports? Could we be that lucky? And they made it on a train where they made a hardcore pornographic film. <sighs> that would be an embarrassment for them, wouldn't it, really? Of course, the... St- oh, it's Stig then, Katie. Oh, I must mention it to Stig. He might like that story, actually. He might like that. And then the other story, and uh, to be honest, I was a bit nonplussed by it. And this is uh, the woman and her four children snapped at the airport on her way to join ISIS in Syria. Let her go. Let her go. What do you want to bring her back for? That's what she wants to do. Send her over there. What's she doing over here? That's what I wanted to know. I was more, more concerned about that. Then her husband raised the alarm with police. 
I mean, she flew out of the UK with her sons and uh, daughter. Uh, the children, all Arsenal football supporters, are pictured on airport CCT wearing, wearing rucksacks. Oh, God. But uh, apparently, um, neighbours living in the family's cul-de-sac uh, spoke of their shock. Why would, you th- why would you speak of their shock? This is a woman who quite clearly is barking mad. She wants to go to Syria. Let her go to Syria. I couldn't care less. You know, she wants to go there. Somebody said that they just upped and uh, left without any warning. This woman was brought up. It's very odd, this family here. I don't even know what they're doing here. Brought up by her parents. She lived in her modest terrace home with her husband, Yassir, since 2004. Now, whether or not he's still there, I've got no idea. Perhaps he hasn't got the faintest idea. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it not absolutely amazing? When you get these... We, we had the guy the other day on the train in Paris, and they're turning out to be a bit blooming useless, the French police, aren't they? They can't seem to manage anything. You know, when they have a gunman loose on their train, it's a Brit and an American who bring him down. The Parisians hiding under the seats. Nobody on the train. They can't do anything. They couldn't organise the proverbial in a brewery. And so you get a woman like this who sort of just ups and takes the kids to Syria and the husband knows nothing about it. He then raises the alarm with the police. He's stunned. I should imagine he probably is, actually. These people always sound as if they're stunned. This, this gunman on the train, his father said, he wouldn't do anything like this. He's, he's a nice boy. They must have the stupidest parents in the world. And this woman here, you've only got to look at her to realize, you want to go and live over there, darling? Go live over there. Let's have the house back, though, can we? Okay, just thought I'd check on that one, just in case you thought you were going to keep it. It does drive me mad. Why would we bother? We don't want to bring her back. That's what she wants to do with her children. That's her business. You know, if they seriously want to go and join ISIS and seriously want to go to a a bunch of murdering paedophiles, well, then good for you, dear. You go. You go. Prince Harry found a job for. Not too sure what Prince Harry's job or role in life is, but this time it's uh, Prince Harry... The lion saviour of Africa. Prince Harry, this is where my heart is. In other words, they can't find any job for him at all. They've got no idea. He has to go out there and look after sort of animals. He's going to be helping vets in Namibia. All that money on an education and he's working as a veterinary assistant. That's the best he can manage. Oh, dear me. I don't know. Uh, Christina Rianoff has been banned from using the word strictly in the title of her autobiography. Who'd be buying that kind of rubbish? Very average woman takes other people's men. Do you not call it that, dear? How about man-eater? That's a better title, isn't it? So she can't use the word strictly. It's strictly a band. And yet, strangely enough, Anne Widdicombe had strictly Anne, so she's used it. Why well, can't... I mean, I don't like Christina. And uh, if Anne Widdicombe's used... Did anybody buy Anne Widdicombe's book? Anybody? Hello? Am I facing the right way? Did anybody buy... Hello? No, it's like an echo coming back. Hello, 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 hello. Steve, 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 Steve. Alan, Alan, Alan. Anybody buy Anne? Anne, Anne. Whittacombe, Whittacombe. Book, trash, 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 trash. None of you. None of you at all. But apparently it's very odd, isn't it, that they allow one to go through and yet Christina... Although, to be honest with you, I think at Christina's age, how can you have an autobiography out at that age? I mean, what is she... I mean, she's not even 30, is she? I don't know how old she is. Way too young to have an autobiography. I mean, blimey, I wouldn't even have my autobiography out now. And I've done far more things than poor old Christina Rianoff. Well, I mean, most of them I've done. Uh, Bryn. Oh, I was going to tell you. I knew I was going to tell you. Uh, on the LBC website, the two interviews that you've just heard on In Conversation uh, are up as videos. You can watch the recordings of the whole things. They're on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Both of them 
both of them. So uh, well worth going and having. A, I don't know if you can download them. I'm not too sure what you can do or whether you can just watch them. But they're on the LBC website. And so Geoffrey Archer's on there. And uh, and also we've still got Belinda Carlyle on. And then next week there'll be another because we're archiving all of our uh, of our interviews for In Conversation. So if you go to lbc.co.uk, then you will find out... Uh, exactly what we've got on there, and enjoy them. They're they're worth watching. They're absolutely worth watching. I I can't begin to tell you just how good they are. And uh, and you can can see what the studios look like. Well, you can see what the studio uh, looks like with with the recording that we were doing. And uh, they're nice, actually. They're very nice. So William Boyd and Geoffrey Archer, up there now. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. 6.20 is uh, the time. I must, uh, I must agree with Jackie Steve. Oh, no, two other things. So many things to get through this morning, honestly. I don't think two hours is enough on this programme. Perhaps we could send Christo home early. Like, sort of, five past one would be a good time, wouldn't it, really? The man with the dead ferret on his head is now claiming, wait for this one, that he's worked with Christina Rianoff. He passed her once on the tube. They've never worked together as such. And he said that uh, I've never seen more makeup on one face. Well, you had if you'd had a mirror. Anyway, no, I don't wish to be cruel. Not, not, not intentionally. A couple of things. First of all, do you remember I told you and I gave you, I thought, a very, very good analysis of the One Direction concert? Because I sent off for the DVD. Uh, I think we did it on Friday. And just to make sure that I hadn't sort of done them a disservice, I watched it back again. And I've come to the conclusion One Direction weren't so much exhausted by all their touring. They must have been bored. There's nothing in their shows that you could say cost any money at all. All it is, is they they put them in arenas or wherever they happen to be, either here or in America. And they just come on stage. They have a little film that shows on a, a screen, not even a vast screen. You know, might as well watch it on, a, on an iPad. And they've got a bit of a film of them larking about in a camper van. And then sort of, and it goes ten, and then they show something else, and nine, and, and that's it. And then they have a band on stage. I think it's enhanced. In fact, I'm 99% certain. Quite clearly, at some points, they've got auto-tune going on. You can tell. But they come on stage. There's no choreography. There's nothing. They just stand on stage, go... And when the applause dies down, which it does on numerous occasions, put your hands in the air, yeah! And they, they do this over somebody else's vocals. It's all very embarrassing. And then they go off stage, then they change into another outfit, come back on, they lounge around as if it's a photo shoot, and then they go, that's it, we're going now, and off they go. It's, it's, it's really cheap. It's really cheap. I was, I was so... I thought it was going to be the big, you know, the... Big Rolling Stones or pyrotechnics and, you know, cannons firing off or a big Hollywood. No, seriously. And yet you look at the cast list at the end. There's thousands working on the programme. Anyway, you know, I'm sure that they'll, they'll enjoy their rest. They'll enjoy their 27 million. That'll be fantastic. They'll be bored out their minds. You watch within, within, you know, if they've been doing this for since, what, four years, five years now, they must be bored because the show looked boring. It looked tired. It looked tired. They, they didn't, you know, there was no sweat. There was no effort into it at all. They just come on stage. The girls are going to stand there and scream anyway. That's what they do. Ah, here's Harry. Yeah. Here's Louis. Yeah. Here's the other ones. And, uh, and, and that's it. It's a bit bad. Anyway, Jackie Stephen reviews The X Factor last night and she says it's lost it. It's lost it. I mean, she said exactly what I've said. She's just a bit more succinct. What it needs is Louis Walsh. 
Louis Walsh could banter with Simon Cowell because they were both on the same level. You know, all they've done, actually, with sort of poor old Nick Grimshaw, who's on the radio for a very good reason, you know, opening your mouth like a stunned goldfish. I said he contributed nothing. She's agreed with me. And then they, 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 they try and get him to up the ante, so they stick him backstage so we can see him larking about. It's just a bit embarrassing. It's a bit old for that kind of thing, isn't he? And then, and so you've got... Rita Ora, I mean, she was she was good on The Voice, and she holds this together. Cheryl lost it completely. Seriously, lost it completely. Uh, Jackie says, I've always been a big fan, but what's happened? I'm seriously worried for her health. I rarely make negative comments, but uh, she's shrinking. Her cheeks are emaciated. Seriously, she looks, she looks a bit as if she's going to do an advert for a Halloween film. Seriously, I know around the corner we have Halloween, but I mean, blimey. You know, she really does look gaunt. And she's lost it, you know, I've lost me mojo and all that kind of stuff, you know, because you're worth it. Well, the trouble is you're not, dear. You don't know diddly squat about the music business. You can't even get your own. I mean, what, you know, what if you get excited over four girls from the Philippines who are pro- a, a professional act, you need to be kicked off the panel immediately. Really? But obviously Simon will sign them up and they'll have a couple. I don't know what they can sing. zippity doo I suppose. But uh, they are a professional act. They're the Filipino sisters. And um, they've been on four talent shows and they've won three of them. So, you know, we're talking about a professional act. A lot more professional than poor old Cheryl. So I agree with Jackie, Steve. And the view from behind the sofa is that the show's... It's, it's not good. It's lost that thing that it had before, which was the banter between Louis and Simon. And that's what it needed. That's what it does need. And interestingly, Simon Cowell said the other day, you know, I might bring Louis back. I think you might have to, dear. I think you might have to. I mean, I don't want to be rude, but I've just got a sneaking feeling that, you know, you're going to have to bring him back in and make some excuse that poor old Grimmy wasn't really fit for purpose and he didn't know what he was talking about. He doesn't know any history. He's just a jock. You know, and it's no good sticking jocks on there because they don't know anything. They're just told what to play. They don't, they don't have any input into it. It's very disappointing. Great interview with Geoffrey Archer, says Bryn. This is Bryn and Annie. You must have had the rain over in France by now. You must have done. Uh, I've been friends with uh, Geoffrey and Mary for donkey's years, long before he was a politician author and hugely successful as he was a great after-dinner speaker on the banquet circuit and we met frequently. I actually gave him some speaking engagements as he was so good and Mary often accompanied him. Our friendship has continued. We've been to many of his Champagne and Krug Christmas parties, which were simply marvellous. I've told him several times that on my first invitation, as I looked around at the guests in his quite unbelievably wonderful flat, I said to the former more, more, uh, to a former Lord Mayor of London, who I knew, wow, I'm the only person here I've never heard of. <laughs> that was me at my friend Jackie Gill's 40th birthday. I was the only one who wasn't known. Seriously, it was quite... I was looking around thinking, God. Do they know I'm Steve Allen? I was going to keep it. Yesterday, I should have gone to a wedding, as you know, but I had a bit of a bad turn yesterday. I don't want to go into it, but uh, uh, my, my diabetes took a downward turn yesterday. But, uh, but OK, OK. Uh, uh, after his prison sentence, he sent me personal copies of his trilogy prison diaries, which I treasure. I've read them several times. Yes, all three, as they're fascinating, interesting, informative and simply a great read. And I sincerely believe they should be required reading for all teenagers simply to learn the truth about what happens in prison. And it ain't funny. It's tough. But the way Geoffrey is written is simply brilliant, clever and uh, completely straightforward. Just true statements a fact which are absorbing. And he and I have worked together at many fundraising events and between us raised millions. Yet another masterpiece from you, sir. And Annie and I will carry on listening to your beautiful meanderings. I like, I like the idea of them being beautiful meanderings. I do, I do wonder. 
I am known to wander. I was standing in, uh, in um, Twickenham the other day. This was a different day that I'd seen Jane Horrocks in the middle of the road. And, uh, and I was sort of standing there. And I was aware, as I was picking out my, uh, my peaches, that somebody was looking at me. You know when you, you get the feeling that you're sort of standing there and somebody's looking at you? And so I turned round and uh, this, uh, this, this guy, who turns out to be called Dan, said, um, I, are you the man on the radio? So I said, no, I'm the man picking out peaches. You know, I thought you can tell when I'm on the radio. I've got a pair of headphones on. But anyway, so uh, we sort of chatted away. It turned out there used to be a dancer. He was going off to a yoga class. Now he works for BA, flies out of Gatwick. So I was tempted to sit, because he wouldn't know Warren, because I think Warren flies out of Heathrow. And uh, he lives in Teddington. And all this I'd discovered after about, you know, five minutes conversation. So uh, that was quite interesting. He said, I'll make sure if ever you're on one of my flights, you turn left. I thought, little do you know, I've never turned right in my life. Don't intend to start now. <laughs> 84850, steve at uk. Morning, Steve. Isn't this the best? You're on a Sunday. I'm always awake at four. I didn't know what I was going to do this morning, but uh, but it's you. He said, I've just got the box sets. An American show called Fringe, says Gary. I do like box sets, but I've never heard of Fringe. It's the sort of thing, actually, Christo would probably have, isn't it, really? Is it about sad people who sort of stick ferrets on the head or something like that? Or shredded wheats? Is it like that? Would it, would it be the story of a little, little short, fat Greek bloke, you know, sort of going off to Mykonos on his holiday and drinking for breakfast? And he admitted this this morning. I've recorded it. It's going into the archive. Vodka and orange juice. For some reason, I mean, quite clearly the man's got a drink problem. I don't want to, you know, it's not up to me to decide what people should have for breakfast. But I do think a vodka for breakfast with orange juice is pushing it a bit too far, don't you? That's like saying I downed a bottle of martini with olives to make it sound as though you're actually having a meal at the same time. And then he he said that he only likes drinking this orange juice abroad because he doesn't like um, concentrate. Quite clearly he's never had Tropicana orange juice Tropicana orange juice has got bits or not bits in it, not from concentrate. He's, you see, the trouble is, I think he's only got a Londis where he is. I don't think he's actually got a proper supermarket. I think he's got sort of the lower end, and I think there'll be a lot of concentrates. But you can get freshly squeezed orange juice in most places now. They used to do it in Marks, but I don't think they do freshly squeezed orange juice. They do a mixture of orange, carrot, pear and peach or something. With beetroot. And, uh, but, but Tropicana orange juice is delicious. I don't drink it because I'm a diabetic. But if you were going to have something with vodka, you could probably do a whole bottle of vodka. He probably does, actually, for breakfast. When he was talking about, you know, I have vodka for breakfast, I thought, I don't think you should be telling people this. Otherwise, they'll be sending you sort of details of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I mean, I, mean, I hope to goodness that he, he just doesn't drink before he comes into the studio to do his little overnight programme on LBC. I can imagine he eats, judging by the size of him, I should imagine he eats quite a lot. Probably Because they do a party barrel now, as they call it over the road, a Cristo box. And uh, it's got lots of pieces of chicken in it, and I think about seven portions of chips or something. Anyway, I think he has one of those, and a Vianetta with a litre and a half of Coke to wash it down. Anyway, uh, all of that to one side. We'll take a short break for the news. we take all of your uh, texts and emails on the programme, 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. And we've just got so many stories this morning. I don't know where to begin. Well, I can begin now by telling you it's 6.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. It's Sunday. It's the 30th of August, and it's... Um, bank holiday, uh, which means it's Notting Hill Carnival. Being Sunday, though, it's Kids' Day today. I did say at the beginning of the programme, because one of the papers raised it, and I thought, you're quite right, the 
papers this week have been full of the fact that there aren't enough police officers around. We know there's not, because every time you see any trouble on the street, you can't see police officers for love nor money. And yet for the Notting Hill Carnival, they come up with 7,000. 7,000 police officers hoping that there's going to be no trouble. That's, that's what they're there for. They're there to make sure that it passes off peacefully. There will be those people going there dealing in drugs. There will be those people going there who will go with the intent to thieve. There will be those, whether you like it or not. And most of the people in Notting Hill move out. They cannot stand the carnival. There's always been this idea, let's shove it in a field somewhere. You know, out in the middle of nowhere and let people go and do it there. Because, you know, there is every year robbery. There is every year people arrested for drugs. You know, there is violence. And it's a shame, really, that the few are going to spoil it for the many. Because most people want to go down there. The kids want to go and have a nice time today. And although we have had the kids floats, I'll tell you, we noticed, when was it, about six years ago, uh, our previous offices at the back of them there was a road where they used to put some of the floats for the kit well i've never seen so many vodka bottles seriously vodka bottles from these floats i mean the road was littered with boo obviously a lot of people go there just to get drunk and uh, and it can become quite intimidating the hard and fast rule is this if you're going uh, take public transport Okay, that's very, very important. Secondly, do not wear lots of obvious flash jewellery. Do not obviously walk around holding your phone. Somebody will relieve you of it. Um, And just make sure you've got enough money to get there and back. If you've got an Oyster card, that's fine. You know, don't take loads of money. Just take enough to get yourself something to eat. And make sure that you don't stray into the wrong kind of an area. Simple as that. There you go. And then everybody will have a nice time. Uh, Neil says, uh, it's Sunday. Time for a nice lay-in. But... Here I am after starting work every day this week at 4.30 to 5 and I'm wide awake. I know, it's very upsetting, isn't it? I also woke up this morning at about half past two and I thought, oh no. I was hoping to stay in bed till about 3.30 but I thought, no, it doesn't matter. So I got up, made myself a cup of coffee. I didn't even water the plants today. I'm hoping that they're going to die before the, before Monday. Uh, anyway, Lorraine and, uh, and Neil went off to uh, to the Stow. There's a, it's, it's the Fenland Game and... County Show, which is taking place just northeast of Cambridge. It's on today and Monday. Fantastic day if you like all things country. Shooting, fishing, gun dogs, horses, lots of live poultry, rabbits for sale. Lorraine couldn't resist getting another four special breed chickens and a cockerel. Gone mad, haven't you now? Absolutely crackers. Anyway, they had a beautiful barn owl hunting at home yesterday at dusk. Fantastic seeing him swooping and turning, but we didn't see him catch anything. I know, I would feel sorry for the mice. Things like that. <laughs> Never mind. He says, so what's this update you're going to give us? Re a show? I can't say at the moment. I can't say. You'll just have to, you'll have to trust me on it. I mean, you know that we have a show at the Magic Circle on uh, New Year's Day, which is uh, for people who like watching a bit of magic close up and a little stage show. It's only small little theatre. Holds 160. So it's what they call in time eight. Uh, no, this is, this is something else. It's in the early stages. I'm, I'm, I'll have to let you know nearer the time. And uh, it'll it'll be a very interesting. Uh, apparently, Cheryl Cole says Marie uh, is now executive producer on the X Factor. Well, th- what they've done, they've given her a title. She doesn't know anything about. They've just given it to her. You know, you could be executive producer way, eh? Because I'm worth it. You know, I think it makes her think that you know that she knows something. She hated Louis, so wouldn't want him back on the panel. Well, it won't be her her decision. She, she might be an executive producer, but I don't think she's got any power. I think it, it, the the power comes down to Simon. Uh, Simon dotes on her. Well, I mean, what he wants is, he, he. I think he likes her because she's simple. And I think that at the moment she is looking slightly odd, slightly odd. I mean, you know, she does look a little bit scary. I mean, you just want her to eat, don't you, really? Even if it's sort of, you know, 
some dust or something. Just eat something that's sort of quite nice. And there's another picture of her in the paper. To- oh, sorry, I do beg your pardon. I forgot to turn the uh, the volume down, actually. I should have done that. And um, <laughs> Christo says, do you need me to perform? Uh, if you're doing the same thing with a tutu again, like last time, I'll have to let you know on that one. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I can't say anything about it. Don't, don't ask me at the moment because it's, it's in the, it's in the infancy stages, but we, th- we think it, we think it could be a, could be a runner. I think so, but we'll, we'll, you'll have to just bear with me. So there's a picture of, uh, Cheryl Fernandez spag bowl and, um, apparently Simon, uh, this is, uh, during, uh, she was left livid during filming of the auditions because Simon is said to be ensuring her comments don't make the final cut. So what he does, he makes a strange meow sound during Cheryl's comments, which then have to be cut. He then copies what she said and he gets the comment, says a mole. It really, really winds her up. Because, tr- I mean, it, we were told ages ago, I can't believe it's true, that Simon used to take her out to meet business contacts because they couldn't believe just how thick she was. You know, she is that classic example. I mean, she's so painfully thin. I mean, I wish... You know, that I was as thin as... I don't want to look like her, because it made me look like a transgender person. And I don't think I'd make a very good transgender person. I mean, that's trouble being a man. But uh, she is so painfully thin. And this this gauntness, I mean, it's really not good at all. But apparently somebody said, oh, don't worry, they're only doing it to wind each other up, yeah? Because it's his programme. And if he drops her, you know, where does she go then? No musical career, no nothing at all. Mind you, talking of no nothing at all, here she is, poor old Sarah Ferguson. Sarah Ferguson, what can you say about her that you couldn't put on the back of a grain of sand? This is the woman who flogs um, uh, blenders on American television. It's hilarious to watch, it really is. And uh, she's managed to sponge off God knows how many people throughout her measly and miserly existence. But anyway, apparently... She appears to have put her faith in a spiritual guru. She's a bit like this. She'll latch on to just about anything. And this is somebody who uh, relays messages from the dead. And it's a woman who was uh, offered uh, to her on the Oprah Winfrey Network, Finding Sarah. And they've remained in close contact because she is mad as a toothbrush. (laughs) There's no two ways about it. And so this is the kind of thing she'd like. Oh, can you help me? Yes. Well, where am I going with my life? Nowhere. Will I be advertising blenders for a long time? Not too long, dear. No, people see through it. It's a load of old rubbish, isn't it? And, uh, you know, as you know, there is no way to talk to the dead because they're dead. They don't speak for anybody. There's people who pretend that they speak through them, but it's an entertainment I'm still waiting for Colin Fry to contact me. But, uh, well, we've been waiting since about the last week when he died. Uh, He was another one of these uh, psychics, these television people who, again, they they obviously either very bad or hard of hearing or they've got no idea what they're talking about because they go, oh, the name Mary Michael? Something M? You think, well, what is your spirit guide saying to you? Are they speaking English or are they Chinese? Is Hiawatha trying to come through? Do let me know when eventually. But anyway, we've waited. And so far, nobody, not any one of the psychics, has had a message from him. I thought he'd have been the first one. Chattering away like a good one from the other side. Yeah, I'm here now. It's got my own cloud. And uh, everybody's got their own cloud and your own front door and everything else. And you go in there and there's a lovely big bed. And you can lie down and there's permanent kebabs. And no, nothing at all. Nothing at all. So uh, I've just come to the conclusion he was the fraud I thought he was in the first place. Uh, war on the restaurants that pocket the waiter's tips. I was amazed to discover that Bills did it. I thought you could trust them. And so I can't trust them. You know, they actually claim that they, they keep it there and then it's, it's used to prop up the wages. So in other words, that, that's another form of tax on you. Don't pay it. Do not pay service charges. Cheeky little so-and-so. It drives me mad. It really does. I get so angry. 
so angry. I'm going to have to check today, actually. I'm going to find out whether or not uh, Patisserie Valerie, the waiter or the waiter, gets the uh, the service. I'm going to find out. But sneaking feeling they don't. Sneaking feeling that they don't. Uh, what else do we have today? Oh, yes, we know where your car is this summer. This is for those of you going off to the uh, to the airport. Heathrow, Terminal 2. And this was handed over to Merry Parking. Merry Parking. Uh, Merry Parking claimed that uh, all the car parks are monitored by CCTV and have secure fencing. Well, they don't. It uh, parks at a strip club car park in Hayes. So you'll be avoiding them, won't you, I think? And um, they just leave them there. At Gatwick's North Terminal, they hand a car to Merry Parking, who say of their car parks they are park mark awarded, a claim denied by the British Parking Association, and they stick them on an industrial estate. I think you'll be avoiding them, won't you? And, uh, and what's on their website? A Morrison's car park and one in Uruguay. Oh, very worried. The Merry Valley parking scam. Some of them end up in fields. They have to be sort of hosed off again. So just be aware that there are people up there. The, the, the legitimate companies are furious that these, uh, these pirates are up there taking away business. Because people go, oh, yes, right, we'd, we'd definitely let our car. I wouldn't even trust any of these people. I only go with, with the valet parking who were established up there. And if ever I found that my car went anywhere else but in a secure car park, I would be playing merry hell with them, let me tell you. Uh, other stories which are in the uh, the papers today. Um, pum, 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 pum. Did sending my boy to boarding school lead to his deadly heroin addiction? And uh, this is uh, the woman who wrote Peak Practice. And uh, consumed with... Oh, God, what was I watching the other day? Oh, did you see this programme? I think it's called Neighbours from Hell. Neighbours from Hell. And this was a couple. And, oh God, it was, I, I was gripped by it. Even though it was on Channel 5, and they generally make some pretty naff programmes. But this one was quite interesting. Of a couple. Mum, Dad and Son. And they've got a neighbour next door. And this neighbour is, is mad as a fruitcake. In fact, he's dangerous mad. He's dangerous. He used to come round to their house uh, and accuse them of making noises and keeping him awake. And he wasn't happy with it, and he used to shout at them and bare his teeth and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I remember thinking, God, you wouldn't want a neighbour like him. So the police get called out, but the trouble is, he's beaten them to it. He calls the police out and complains about them. And so they move bedrooms, they do everything to try and think, well, if he can hear through the walls, we'd better move to the other side of the house. So that's what they do. Anyway, uh, it comes to a head. They actually decide to move. They've had enough. They've had six years of living next door to this man from hell. He's an evil-looking person. His wife, obviously, you know, not, not a clue what's going on, so she says. And then when they confront her with it, she knows exactly what's going on. And uh, so they move. He only tracks them down. He only tracks them down, doesn't he? He knocks on the door and goes, oh, I found you. And you think, whoa, he's mad. He really is certifiable mad. But this story had a particularly bad twist. And the twist I will tell you about in a moment. It's quarter to... Steve Allen on LBC. So here they are on a programme called Neighbours from Hell. And this one really was from hell. So they've had enough. After six years, they've called the police. The police admit they're fairly powerless to do anything about him uh, because he's denying it and he's just quite clearly not... And they've never done anything. They've never had words with him. They They just think he's a silly old man. He's a little bit more than a silly old man. Anyway, they decide to move out. After six years, they've had enough. So they move away and they move into, I think, uh, her father's house. Anyway, the neighbour from hell tracks them down. Six miles away, he's tracked them down. 
And uh, anyway, they then um, wake up one morning and they can hear somebody shouting and they go downstairs, they open the front door and they hear bangs. They thought it was fireworks. They seriously thought it was fireworks. And it turns out that there's holes in the side of their car. He's fired a gun into the side of their car. So anyway, they call the police, and the police come round and seal off the road. And to cut a long story short, and I could drag it out for about the next hour if I so chose, it turns out this man, they know him as one name. But in fact, he had another name. And the other name was when he was living literally a few miles down the road. And he murdered people. He murdered six members of one family. He was a, he was a psychopath. He was a total psychopath. And uh, this girl, who's about the only... She's, I think, the only surviving member. She said he came round, she said, and, I'd, and there were people lying all over the place. It was my family. He murdered my, my family. And... Um, this family thought they'd had a, a very lucky escape, a very lucky escape. And what had happened was the police had not told them that he'd been uh, sent to Broadmoor. But after a few years, he was out and he was back with this other name, which, of course, isn't it? Luckily, he's dead now. He's gone straight to hell, of course. But he murdered this whole family. And the police should have told this family to go, listen, living next door to you is a convicted murderer. He's a, he's a psychopath. He's completely... He shows no remorse or anything. Of course he wouldn't. He just kills people. It was the most chilling programme I'd ever watched. Seriously. Very... Fr it's almost one of those frightening things where you, you feel like telling somebody and you think, but wait a minute, nobody's going to believe me. It's like the, uh, the pop-up museum of the craze. I said last week, who's interested in that? A couple of deadbeats. You know, they weren't the most intelligent in the world. They ruled by fear. They were from the 50s. It was all different. Now it's cyber stuff. You know, nobody goes round and does things like that anymore, apart from the craze. One, one who's interested in boys, that was Ronnie, and Reggie, who later in life turned to the dark side as well. You know, they've still got people who go, oh, you know, London was safe when the craze were about. Yeah, of course they were. It's the old myth, isn't it, really? It's the old myth that these old-time gangsters... You know, there are people listening now who hung around with the craze, I know that. But, uh, but they're fairly ancient, they're sort of getting on a bit. And it was of that period. That's what different. The road where they were in kind of gets cut off at the end now. So their house vanished. Whereas I thought that would have been much more interesting, wouldn't it? If ever you could have had the house, you go, that was the craze house. You know, and it's not been changed. It's been sort of bricked up and they've left it. No, it's been destroyed. So what they've done in this pop-up museum is they, they, they've recreated, I think, their mother Violet's room. She didn't apparently know what was going on. But there again, she was a bit doolally. And so they'd all be upstairs going, all right, Ma... And that she'd bring them up tea and cakes and stuff like that. <laughs> she never asked where the money came from. Probably best not, actually. Listening to you talking about the Notting Hill Carnival, says Helen. For it is the Notting Hill Carnival this weekend. Children's Day today kicks off probably about 12 o'clock. And then it's uh, adult day tomorrow. It's true. Locals do leave the area. My mum's come to stay with me this week to escape the carnival. It's a nightmare. She lives on the other side of the Ladbroke Grove. You can't park in the area. The noise is horrendous. You can hear bass thudding. Miles away, even with the double glazing. You can't get a local bus as they're diverted. Mum can't even walk to the local Sainsbury's as it's closed. So this year she's come to sunny Sheffield. We will go to Derby today to visit my stepdaughter and grandchildren and go to Bakewell for a pudding. I think you mean a tart. I don't, I don't think there's such a thing as a Bakewell... Is there a Bakewell pudding? I thought it was Bakewell tarts. Most of them up there look like... Well, anyway, you can probably get them in most cake shops, can't you? Yeah, tarts. Thank you. 
like to know what I'm talking about on the programme, because I'm not, I'm not a cake person. I watched another one of these baking-type programmes the other day. I'm quite taken by them. I can't bake and I can't cook, but I'm always fascinated by people who set up bakeries. I thought, if ever I was going to set something up, it would be a bakery. And then you think, God, you'd be as big as a whale, wouldn't you? Big as a whale if you were allowed to sort of taste everything. So then I thought, no, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get a Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise. And then I thought, no... Because you're going to eat it, aren't you? That's what you're going to eat all the time. And I don't, I don't want to be any, any bigger, you know, than I am at the moment. I mean, I'm inspired by other people. I mean, I'm surrounded. There's a guy who works occasionally on this programme called Tom. And somebody said to me, he goes out running every day. He's done five half marathons in the last week. And not a, he, he just does it to see if he can do it. They're not sort of, you know, he's not racing with anybody else. He just runs around in his shorts. And, um, and so he's doing five half marathons. And I looked at him and I thought, I don't think he's got any flesh on him. I think I've got enough for about three people. If I was a set of luggage, I mean, I'm literally everything, even down to a small thing for holding your laptop. You know, I think there's enough flesh on my body. And he's one of these people, and it's, it's obviously very addictive. It's very, very addictive when you start doing this running and you get out there and you get into that peak of fitness. I don't think my, my body, which is a temple, I want you to understand. Uh, unfortunately, nobody's worshipped at it for a very long time. I just sort of think to myself, I wish you could take a tablet. And then you could sort of just go to sleep, then wake up, and you'd have one of these washboard stomachs. And none of your clothes would fit. You'd have to sort of hold them up. I've got a pair of shorts at home, actually. And, and I bought them a while ago. And I think, to be honest with you, I think I've lost a bit of weight. Because when I wear them now, I wear them for watering the baskets. I could be watering the baskets, and very slowly, they slip to the ground. So you st- I mean, it's not, a, it's not a pleasing sight for the neighbours. You know, oh, he's out there again in his pants. You know, that kind of, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not pleasant not pleasant i admit it myself but the funny thing is you try watering the baskets holding the telephone and trying to hang onto your shorts at the same time it's not easy it's not easy but i am jealous of people perhaps if i'd done it years and years ago and i kept myself fit then that might be a little bit different but as it is i think i'm past redemption i don't think it's ever going to happen now i think you know people are people are going to go you poor old soul <laughs> it's uh eight for eight five oh Steve at lbc.co.uk. Everything we read out on the programme, just returned from Moscow. Rows and rows of vodka from all parts of Russia, including Siberian vodka. How about this one, though? Beetroot, cabbage, asparagus, turnip, and many other weird types that they either mix or have with a small amount of pike caviar. <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Actually, I'll tell you where they've got loads of vodka. Loads of vodka. Uh, down at, um, um, where is it now? Selfridges. In their drinks department downstairs, they've got every vodka under the sun. Vodka with bits of gold in. I mean, some really expensive, beautiful vodkas. Really, really nice. Really nice. Uh, Yet again, says Philip, I shall be enjoying the Notting Hill Carnival, Steve, from my usual vantage point. 17 miles away, where I can't see it, can't hear it, won't be affected by it. Yes, I mean, the, the, the people of poor old Notting Hill have to suffer with this all the time. Other tips, you're right, ensure mobile phones charged 100%, turn the brightness down... This is for Notting Hill Carnival. Uh, Wear sensible shoes. Take your own booze. It's too expensive there. I made one and a half litres of rum punch and froze it. 30 quid, enough to feed you and odd one pound coins to to go to the toilet in private households. They open their doors to revellers. It's a good earner for them. Uh, Waterproofs ready and a sensible outfit for today. So now you know everybody, OK? Don't, uh, don't sort of make the mistake of going down. Don't start flashing phones around. You know, don't let the kids flash their phones around. Just, just be aware that there are people who are going to go there who, um, who will want to change things for you. Uh, listening to you from Oslo in Norway, says Karin. I love your show. Nothing like this in Norway as far as I know. Well, there's nothing in Norway, is there? 
I mean, is there anything in Norway? Have I ever been to Norway? Of course I've been to Norway. And it's, it's quite nice. I wouldn't want to live there, but it, but it is quite nice. It says, I did find the two Katie Price mother and daughters on YouTube after you recommended them. I am lost for words. Surely a joke? Well, I thought the joke actually was them. But here is the story. And this appears in the... It's in the Sunday People today. It's in a few of the other papers as well. The new wife of the superstar sportsman wants a face-to-face confrontation with the celebrity mistress who tried to expose him as a love cheat. Now, you remember this one. This household named Star took out a £50,000 gagging order to stop the famous female exposing their fling behind his fiancée's back. He confessed the three-month affair to his devastated partner, who is since married. She forgave him. I know who the person is. I know who the uh, who the, uh, the the celebrity mistress is. I know exactly who she is. <laughs> I know who this person is. Actually, there is a story, and I'm, I'm going to have to uh, I'm going to have to ask Stig about it because the only reason I, I, was, I was finding out if Stig was in today is if th- this this is actually a good Strictly story. It's a very good Strictly story, and it's a picture of... Well, I shall find the blooming thing in a minute. Apart from the uh, drugs made me a, a Nazi, uh, the bus farces, new staff have no experience of vehicles. They're, they're recruiting cheap drivers from Romania to come here. I don't quite understand why, but uh, I suppose we don't have enough bus drivers. It's a funny thing, can we have them driving trains as well? Oh no, sorry, forgot about that. That's a bit of a closed shop, isn't it? Yes, here it is. This is the pros from Strictly Come Dancing, Stig. Uh, filming beside a steam train, which is lovely. I wonder if this is because there is only one line down there that has a steam train on it, and it runs from Northweald down into uh, Epping, and they've got buses and everything else. And you might remember, Stig, that a short while ago, this train was rented out so they could film a pornographic film on it. I'm beginning to wonder if this is the, uh, the same train. How embarrassing for the BBC to be filming... With a porno train, because I said I can't go on it ever again. I mean, you can't take kids down there. Why would you want to? They rented it out and a film company booked it and uh, and made a pornographic film. So now Strictly are using it as well. Peter Andre apparently is among the celebrity hopefuls. Well, hopeful, hardly celebrity. (laughs) I mean that in a caring way. don't want you to think in any way I'm bitter or anything like that. Well, I am, especially over a weekend. I love a a weekend on a bank holiday when I don't have to do anything. I've just got to try and survive the weather. And if it's going to rain... Then I want to make sure I've got my little umbrella. Why is it that Kim Marsh seems to think that gay people like her? They don't, dear. Okay, they don't. They don't like you. Okay, there's no good sort of dressing up for Manchester Pride. You know, nobody's remotely interested. You're far too old for this kind of thing. Try and grow up a little bit. Uh, The M1 speed traps. 500 a day. 500 people a day are being clobbered. Britain's speed camera hotspot. It's a 20-mile section of the motorway between Junction 19 in Leicestershire and 15 near Northampton. It's got 20 cameras on both sides of the road. So they get loads of people. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? What's the point of having a car that will do 160 miles an hour if you've got to drive at 70? I mean, that's like pushing the blooming thing, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, it earns more than £300,000 a week in fines. I think that's absolutely fantastic. That's really good, isn't it? £300,000 a week. Do you remember that? Uh, we, we, we did tell you, actually, a short while ago, this bloke put up a fake speed camera. Somebody's pinched it. Somebody's pinched it. Actually, I've got a story about somebody pinching other things, which I'll tell you about a little bit later on. It's Bobby Davro, who uh, betrayed me, says TV magician. Who can that be, ladies and gentlemen? We shall tell you very shortly. The Kids Company has funded a 23-year-old in Nigeria. 
This gets from bad to worse, doesn't it, really? I'm so glad they actually closed it down. Who closed it down? She closed it down. Uh, Harry is the lion saviour of Africa. They finally found something he can do. He's helping a vet out there. Uh, the great train robbery. This is two companies who are ripping you off. Everybody's ripping us off, except this programme. Channel 5 planning a rival show to loose women. Uh, Tamara Eccleston, I'm not ashamed to breastfeed in public. Oh, go away, you silly little attention seeker. Shoo, shoo, shoo. This is the woman who didn't know what toast was. I know, couldn't make it up, could you, ladies and gentlemen? I'm Steve Allen. News at 7 is next. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday, the 30th of August. It's the bank holiday weekend. You knew that. You've got to get out there. You've got to do something. You might be going to Notting Hill Carnival uh, today. It's Kids' Day. Uh, Tomorrow's sort of grown-ups' day. So you might want to try both of them. Uh, Plenty more to come. The Sunday Times report the Home Secretary, Theresa May, is demanding that EU migrants are banned from Britain unless they have a job lined up. The Independent on Sunday says the government's planning a motoring revolution with changes to the driving test. Oh, I'm so glad I passed. And revolutionary stem cell therapy could end the suffering of millions of arthritis patients within five years. Uh, Tila Tequila, who was on Celebrity Big Brother, has been kicked out because she dressed up as a Nazi, not the brightest penny in the box. And Bobby Davro betrayed me says TV magician. 300 mourn at the Bridge of Tears. Cliff Richard has booked his tour in for next year, despite the uh, allegations. Zayn Malik out on the town. He's tried it uh, with everybody, so now he's taking his mummy out in Los Angeles. It's obviously not a particularly good restaurant. They allow people in in jeans and a T-shirt. Bob the Builder gets a new voice. And um, Farah Abraham. No, I didn't know either, I'm afraid. (laughs) Apparently, she's in the Big Brother house... She might or might not be a porno star. I, I really, I've got no idea what she does. I shall probably, wait a minute, I can probably find out, actually. It'll be in, it'll be in one of the newspapers for today. Uh, apart from the fact that there's a fake sex tape of, uh, of Cheryl. Dear, it must be like watching two wooden deck chairs together, mustn't it, really? I mean, to be honest with you, nobody would ever want to look at a sex tape of Cheryl. It's fake, incidentally, and she's thinking of legal action. Um, so where's this... Now, let me find out who this woman is. It's only because I'd never heard of her, but I haven't heard of half these people on the so-called Celebrity Big Brother. Oh, that's right, Farah Abraham. Oh, she's the one. Oh, that's right, this is the one. This is her, her claim to fame, poor soul. I mean, honestly, limited intelligence to start with. She made a sex tape, which, which people watched. I mean, it's a bit tedious, isn't it, really? And um, she accused James Hill... No, you won't know him either. I'm ever so sorry. He was on The Apprentice. Uh, in a foul-mouthed rant, she's accused him of leering at her. I'm sorry, you've made a sex tape and you're accusing him of leering at you. <laughs> I think you've not quite understood, dear. You've not quite understood how this goes. Anyway, uh, she says, I don't like being stared stared down when I walk by. It's an uncomfortable feeling. And, uh, and then she started using four-letter words because she's common. And because she's a little tart. And, you know, that's the kind of thing she says. And the people that they put on there this time round, I've seriously, I mean, the latest one to go in is Bobby Davro. And I don't ask me about Bobby Davro because I'm not exactly the world's biggest fan of Mr Davro. And they put him in there and no doubt he'll be just terribly irritating. 
I can't... And they've also got on Gail Porter. Well, I mean, any show that puts Gail Porter on, you might as well go out and make a cup of tea and start decorating next door's fence, because it'll be marginally more interesting. Pot of creosote and you, as opposed to Gail Porter. Claim to fame... Two claim to fames. Uh, one, she was projected naked onto the House of Commons. <laughs> and, uh, and the other one was... Uh, the other one... What was the other thing she was famous for? Oh, that's right. She got alopecia. That, that's it. That is the... That, that, that is it, I'm afraid. I wonder what's the matter with my blooming thing here. My, my uh, computer's gone a bit funny. Playing the... Wait a minute, if I do that... Oh, I found it back... Do you know, honestly, sometimes I think I'm quite clever with this computer. It's only taken me 1,600 years to try and work out what it is. Uh, also, uh, Christo was telling you on his programme... Did you catch that? Uh, that apparently it's however many years it is since Diana died in that car crash. And people were, were reminiscing on uh, exactly where they were when they heard the news that Diana died. And I've always said, I, I can tell you exactly where I was. I was working here at the time, quite clearly. And, um, and I went home. We, we'd been out on the town, me and a friend, and we always called in to Earl's Court to pick up the Sunday papers to see what's on there. And the man in the shop in Earl's Court said, they're a bit late this morning. Um, he said there must be some story. So I thought, it's a bit unusual. Normally you get... Uh, if, if there is a really good story some of the papers have got, then they might hold back a few of them. Anyway, there was hardly anything out that morning. So we, we go home. Uh, I, I drive home. Uh, get in, turn on the television to hear about the crash. And so I'm on the phone to a friend and go, have you got the television on? Have you got the television on? This is why Diana involved in a crash. And it wasn't till the early hours of the morning that it was announced that, uh, that in fact, she had been killed. And that's when. And I think I could honestly say that I think there were more conspiracy theories about Diana's death than anything I've ever heard before. Seriously, everybody thought that it was uh, that she was murdered. That's what everybody thought. You couldn't get people away from that. Uh, and then you got, after a while, first of all, you got the outpouring of grief and the biggest... Um, and the biggest funeral that I've ever seen in London. I don't think you're... Well, certainly for Princess Margaret, you didn't get that at all. And for the Queen Mother, you didn't get anything, half, even if you put them both together. So you, you, you got the biggest funeral, and everybody turned out for it, and there was wailing and gnashing of teeth and the, the throwing on of the flowers. You know, I mean, it, there were people who don't like her, but there again, there are people who don't like lots of people. So it doesn't actually make any difference. wouldn't have made any, any difference to her if people liked her or they didn't like her. People say, oh, she was very manipulating. So she might have been. She was certainly a dance site more popular than all the people who were sort of being rude about her. And uh, I don't think that, you know, anybody has, has the right to sort of slag somebody else. She didn't pick the life, really. She didn't know the way it was going to go. I don't think the royal family knew it was going to go that way. It is officially, says Bill, a Bakewell pudding, not a Bakewell tart. I live up here. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for all those people who live up north. And uh, and Orla says, I think the whining residents of Notting Hill should chill out. It's only two days. Well, I tell you what, love, have it in your road. They don't want it in their road. They don't like it. They really... Uh, there are Bakewell puddings too, says Marisha. I've seen them being made on television. Wow. Uh, Jan in Braintree says, I'm type 1 diabetic. Do you know they've got a new thing out for diabetics? Uh, well, it's not not totally approved yet. It'll be something that they insert into your body and it will let you know when you need to inject. It will send um, a message to your phone. You'll have your... There'll be an app on the phone and this thing that they put in your body will monitor your, your blood sugar levels and then it will let you know whether or not you need to, to do some, um, some insulin. It's quite a good idea, isn't it? Anyway, I'm 56... I don't know anybody that age. Took up running a few years ago, lost three stone, never felt better. Yeah, I often think if ever I get that urge to do running, I tend to find opening the Prosecco at about two o'clock of the middle of an afternoon kind of seals my fate, really. I, don't, I just couldn't get excited about running. And also, I look ridiculous in shorts. 
Glenn in Romford says, we've got the Havering show this weekend uh, in Hornchurch. Much safer than going to Notting Hill. Well, I mean, I've, I've done Notting Hill before. Patrick in Bromley says, I was up at 4am to listen to your show drinking hot chocolate and Bristol cream sherry. Boy, have you got a problem. Bristol cream sherry at this time of the morning. Crikey. Watch the Neighbours from Hell USA. They all end up dead or they shoot each other, says Sally. Must make for a very short programme. What do they do? Drag it out, I suppose, at the end. <laughs> uh, 84850. Mark says, did Geoffrey Archer really deserve to go to prison? I've no idea. But if you go to the LBC website, then you can see both interviews. William Boyd and Geoffrey Archer in full video. In colour and everything. Colour. And I'm in it. In colour. In this day and age. And you can watch both interviews. So you can hear them, you can download them. And I think you can, um, you can reserve the videos. I think she said, did you say reserve them or something? Or you can sort of book them and then watch them later on or something like that. Yeah, there's, a, there's an option for watch later. Oh, right, how exciting. They're looking forward to record numbers. So if you, could, if you could tell other people as well, they'd be very useful. Just pop out and tell the next door neighbour or the milkman. He'll sort of spread it around the neighbourhood. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. Malcolm says, I totally agree about the X Factor. It's lost what it was looking for in the contestants. Well, they seem to have done it a little bit differently this time round. Either way, um, it's just a programme designed to find somebody who's going to make money for Simon Cowell. That's it. Uh, John says, let's cut the benefits for these ISIS-bound devotees. I was, uh, I was arguing the point, not really arguing, I was just saying that the moment it was announced that she'd gone to Syria with the children, I thought, so, let her go. If she's happier there than here, let's just make sure that we take, take the passport away. So she doesn't come back in again. We're not going to be sitting here as a stopgap. I wouldn't trust you within an inch of your life. Thank you very much indeed. Going over there um, and then sort of coming back here. No, 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 no. Once you've gone there, you blooming well stay there. Uh, the reason the Met has found 7,000 officers because they're all working on their days off. Not for money, I should say. They'll just be given the day off back eventually. 14 to 18 hours stood up praying there's no trouble, says Lee. Yeah, is it funny, though? You can find 7,000 officers and yet you phone somebody up and go, uh, the house has just been burgled. A little bit busy at the moment, sir. Well, what's going on? Notting Hill Carnival. Bit, a bit of a jolly for the officers. I think they like going down there. Go, go for a little bit of jerked chicken. I never quite understood what jerked chicken was. I used to feel sorry for it, though, whatever it was uh, going on there. Jerked chicken. Strange that, isn't it? Uh, Steve, I work in Ladbroke Grove. And the carnage takes two days to clean. People use the walls as toilets and the rubbish is everywhere. It's filthy. I can well imagine. I can well imagine. And Andrew says, great to listen to your show whilst on holiday in Lithuania. I suppose if you've actually decided to go to the hellhole that is Lithuania, I am your saving grace. I'm the thing that makes you think that there is a God and uh, we can get you out as quickly as possible. Lithuania, what a funny place to want to go to for holiday. I said to somebody the other day, there's two places I want to go to. And I'm not sure, I've taken one of them off the list. One of them is Machu Picchu. And I decided that, I don't think it's that safe, actually. So I decided I wasn't going to go there. Unless I could be helicoptered in, winched down, have a quick look around, and then winched back up again. I don't want to sort of, I don't want to be doing this trekking or anything like that. Not at my age. Unless there's going to be a sort of, you know, a, a Starbucks halfway down the track so I can get sort of a latte or something like that. And, and perhaps one of those nice cheese and marmite things. Apart from that, chilli, you can stick it. I'm not interested. Where else do I want to go? Oh, that's right. I want to go to, before it falls in on itself, I want to go to the Titanic. I want to go down. But that's quite expensive. That's like 30,000 quid. And they will take you down to the Titanic. Isn't that exciting? It's like, like getting on the number 37 bus, isn't it, really? You just sort of sit there and they go, you're going... To, you know me, I mean, I'd be panicking halfway down because it's two miles. That's quite a long way down. 
You know, in terms, I mean, not driving around London, that's about, you know, it's about an hour. But uh, going down, it takes a few hours. And then and you get down and all of a sudden it creaks to a halt, this sort of bathosphere. And then they turn on the lights or they give you a torch or something. I don't know. And you sort of peer into the gloom. And there it is, the Titanic. You see that, that 300 and, what's 370 miles? The rec- No, it's only two miles down. We don't have seas as deep as 370 miles. That's, that's, in, that's in Newfoundland from here, I know. But, I mean, I was thinking I'd fly out to the ship. She thinks, bless her heart, it's 370 miles down. It's less to go to the moon. <laughs> I love some of our Antipodean friends. You'd never come back at all, would you? But I'd, I'd just like to go down there just to see what it's like, because it's, it's pitch black. You know, it's not like you're going to open the door and swim out round it, is it? But it's just the fact it's somewhere exciting to go. I quite like, I mean, I like that. Everybody's got somewhere they want to go, haven't they? And that's where I want to go. It's my programme. Quarter past seven. They're both back, fighting and raring to go. It is just not right that a, a strike should go ahead when there's a very, very good deal on the table, when everybody knows that, uh, as with the ticket offices, we're going to get on and do Night Tube, we're going to get on and, and do the reforms that are necessary. We will now, as UKIP, take the lead on the ground um, and we, we will go out from the first week in September on the biggest outreach campaign our party's ever attempted. But are they ready for the biggest challenge? To take your calls with me, Nick Ferrari. So that's Ask Boris Tuesday morning and Phone Farage Friday morning from 9 next week, only on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 7.20. Mark watched that uh, Neighbours from Hell. Normally just whingy people, but that was really, really scary. I like the bailiff one. Have you seen the bailiff programme on the television? That's where they go round and, uh, and people, they go, hello. There's a couple of fairly elderly gentlemen who, who go around. Hello. Sorry to bother you. My name's Mark, or whatever it was. And so they go, yes. We've uh, come round to, to take, take possession. And, uh, and all the rest of it. And so they, they go, well, um, can you come back tomorrow? No, sorry, you've got 15 minutes. Because <laughs> you've already had the letter from the High Court. And then they went to another place, which was very interesting, in Soho, to evict two, I think they were Koreans. And they had offices up. They, ha- they hadn't paid. And so he came round. There there's another two. And they go round and they go, oh, I've come to collect £1,750 for the landlord. Uh, well, um, can you come back tomorrow? No, I need to. I need now. I need the money now. I mean, I'm prepared to accept. I think they accepted, I think, about £1,000. And these people hung up. In the end, this woman phoned up the police. She phoned up the police to say, to lie through her teeth. She said that they, they've been intimidating. Well, of course... Either she didn't realise that the whole thing was being filmed or she was a bit thick because they hadn't been intimidating at all. I mean, how he held his temper, I'll never know. Give us some money, you lying old bag. And um, so she was she was holding out and she phoned the police and said he's been intimidating to us. And so he's there going, I don't think we have. Yes, they do. And so she lied to the police. You know, to be honest with you, he could have had her in court on that one because it was all filmed. Everything was documented, but very interesting. I thought it was very interesting. I, I quite like things like that. Those sort of programmes where... You know, you look at these people and you think, oh, dear. Oh, and then a friend of mine has a programme coming out very shortly. Wait a minute. Let me see if I can uh, find it. My mouse has got a life of its own in, in the studio. It really has. This is... Uh, now, you know my friend uh, who did a documentary on Broadmoor? 
Do you remember this one? Jonathan Levi. And he did uh, things on uh, the Geldof girl, Peaches Geldof. He's got another one this time. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm going to see if I can find... I've lost the... I, I tried to print something off the uh, off the computer earlier on and it was having a bit of a mare of a day. And so I was sort of going through it. And this one, I think, is behind the scenes at a payday loan company. I quite like the sound of this. It's the sort of programme that intrigues me, no end. And so I thought... Wait a minute, if I can find it. It, it, it does move about a bit, this uh, this screen. A lot of people talking to me about Cliff Richards, saying that they're, they're very grateful that uh, Cliff is actually touring. I think after he went to Scylla's funeral... And incidentally, I, all of my... Um, CDs have arrived now from uh, from Scylla's career, and so I'm listening to them in the car. Do you know that she had some blooming good songs? I mean, she really did have some good songs. Don't ever underestimate what stuff she had. It's it's a very nice, very nice little uh, collection that I've got, and uh, I'm quite. I was playing them in the car yesterday, and thinking, do you know, they, they were really good songs. They were good. So they were they were of a period, and that that's what I quite liked actually. I got a free gift from Penhaligans, which I didn't claim, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, Ideal World were telling me that I can get uh, free postage and packing. I do love some of these shopping channels. I've, I've, I don't buy that much on there. I have bought little bits and pieces, but nothing, nothing particularly mad. Well, I don't think. Well, I don't think so. Uh, wait a minute. I'm going to find this blooming thing in a minute if it kills me. Because otherwise, I could, I could sit here. It's, I'm be the only person who can fill out a program with sort of let's go through the computer drives me mad. But I, I did want to let you know what the name of the programme was, because I thought if you don't know what the programme's called, you're not going to better find it. I think it's on Tuesday. In fact, I'm 99% certain it's on Tuesday, coming up on ITV. And I think it's, I think it's called Backstage or something, uh, at uh, one of these payday loan companies. I can't remember what the payday loan companies are. Is this where you go there and you tell them that you want to borrow a certain amount of money and they lend it to you until you get paid. Is that why it's called payday loan? And it's very high interest rates, isn't it? It's something ludicrous. I seem to remember seeing them on the, uh, on, on the television and they were so expensive. I remember thinking, what, would you not go to the bank beforehand? And then I thought, well, obviously, if the banks turned you down, you can't, you can't go to the bank. So you end up having to go to these com- some of these companies. But it was the interest rates were absolutely outrageous. I think it was something stupid, like, I think it's like 1,600% or something like that. Anyway, I'll, I'll have to find it a little bit later on. I, I will find it, actually. Cash in hand, payday loans. And I suppose... But it's always the people who are targeted, isn't it? Who are the people who can't afford to uh, to save this in the first place. And so that's why they all get caught by it. 9pm, uh, Tuesday, ITV. Cash in hand, payday loans. So uh, that's my friend Jonathan's programme. <laughs> Thank you. One of LBC's presenters sending me the details of something because I can't find... This computer's gone mad. I can find them quicker out there. In here, my little mouse jumps about all over the place. Uh, what's the Bobby Davro story? Do you want to know what the Bobby Davro story is? I think you do, actually. If I can find which, which newspaper... Oh, here it is. It's in the, uh, the mirror today. Bobby Davro betrayed me. This is the story of a very well-known magician. Uh, the very well-known magician is Wayne Dobson. Now, as you know... Uh, Wayne Dobson is in a wheelchair at the moment. He's ever such a nice guy. But uh, he says uh, his best pal, Bobby Davro, had sex with his wife in the kitchen while I was in bed. I'm sure I want to read that on a Sunday, actually. I mean, I want to read about tea, toast and croissants and pain au chocolat and things like that. And nice things like Cheryl putting on weight. But um, 
Uh, Wayne, who is paralysed from the uh, the uh, the waist down, and I know his ex-wife. I know because she, when he came into LBC's other studio, she came in with him. And he says that the comedian betrayed their thirty-year showbiz friendship by pursuing Marianne behind his back, or or behind his wheelchair, depending on you know which would be more appropriate. Producer just thrown herself on the floor. She's given up with that one. That's that's possibly too far. <laughs> possibly too far. Uh, Wayne whose uh, TV show, Kind of Magic, pulled in millions, says it's the loss of his best friend that hit him the hardest. He said, I trusted him and my wife and they let me down. I blame Bobby for being weak, myself for having a disease, which means I'm in this blooming wheelchair, and my wife for hurting me. I'm very disappointed. We'll never be friends again. I know stories about Bobby Davro. I know stories about Bobby Davro from the Wimbledon Theatre. Oh, I wonder if I should tell them, Bobby. Ooh, that'd have people in a spin, wouldn't it? Ooh, I've got such a good story. Such a good story. On very good authority, actually. Bobby was... Oh, I can't tell you. I really can't. No, I can't tell you, honestly. He was in Panto with the Crankies. I can't tell you. I'll have to save it. I'm going to save it for my book. That'll knock him sideways a little bit. Um, what else do we have with the papers today? Oh, we've got, we got nice pictures of, um, of Zayn Malik taking his mummy out for dinner. With his tattoo. What is it about 22-year-olds? They want to cover themselves in tattoos. I just don't understand it. Uh, Morrissey. What's he done? Oh, he's, uh, he's having ongoing treatment for cancer, but he won't use medication, medication for depression. They had a girl on The X Factor last night who, you know, they all have to have a story. And her one was she started the song about four times. And, uh, and then she was OK, but it was sort of, yeah, huh. And it was all that kind of stuff. It wasn't. Sort of, I began to wonder if she was going to actually bring out an album. All these songs that sound exactly the same. Because some of these people are okay, but what I think they are really is karaoke singers. I do think there's a lot of, a lot of you know, there's nothing about with karaoke if you like that kind of thing. But that's what I think they actually end up with on on the program. I mean, I could probably do roughly. A friend of mine used to have a, a karaoke outfit. You know that. You know, not clothes or anything like that. Yeah, I used to have equipment and everything. Else. And people would go along and sing. And and I thought, what if I should ever do that? And then I thought, no, don't embarrass yourself, Stephen. It's not your kind of thing at all. Must-see TV programme, Animal Mums, 7 o'clock tonight on ITV. It's amazing. And in the week, the other Prince William, about William of Gloucester, who died in the plane crash. Excellent. Not long till the Queen becomes the longest living monarch. And um, she says, shh. Show on the horizon. I'm watching this space. Yes, I mean, it's, we're, in, we're in talks. We're in talks at the moment. That's all I can tell you. I, can't, I don't want to tell you anything else because I get myself into dreadful trouble. Uh, Helen and Richard are in sunny Sheffield. Don't be ridiculous. It's never sunny in Sheffield. I've been to Sheffield. I've actually, that's where they make cutlery, isn't it? Where they make cutlery. Uh, most people call it a Bakewell tart, although the original was a pudding and made in the Bakewell pudding shop. Yeah, whatever. Sorry? Oh, right. So I thought I was hearing voices in my head. Felt a little, a little bit like Sally Whatsaface. <laughs> I'm hearing. I thought I was hearing voices. Then I thought, where's that coming from? I thought I've obviously managed to make contact to the other side during this program. Uh, Eighteen years since Diana died. Do you remember where you were that day when you heard the news? Eighteen years. I can remember the funeral. I can remember sitting down. I had the order of service, but I always remember her brother doing his speech. The royal family sitting there, looking straight ahead, thinking. Oh, God. And something you never hear, well, very rarely, heard it at Scylla's uh, graveside, applause. He finished doing his speech and his voice cracked at the end. You know, I'm so proud to, you know, call Diana my sister, blah, 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 blah. And then he finished and I thought, he's going to go, isn't he? And then the applause started and you could hear it from outside and across London, Hyde Park and all those spaces and outside the Abbey, 
everybody clapped and applauded, and, and the royal family sat there looking straight ahead. Terribly embarrassing. But everybody inside uh, Westminster Abbey also... It was Westminster Abbey, wasn't it? Was it St Paul's or Westminster Abbey? I can't remember. But everybody clapped. Everybody clapped. It was such a day. You have to remember that. And you can go back and relive it. It's on YouTube. Seventh. Steve Allen on LBC. So it's Tuesday, nine o'clock, ITV, cash in hand, payday loans. I can tell it's going to wind me up, but I, w- I might have to, uh, to watch it. Actually, a few years ago, uh, says June, my husband suddenly fell ill. He went from fit, running miles a day, to life support in three days through flu. His wages went into his bank account. I had nothing. Took a short loan until I could get power of attorney. Life support, 86 days. 50 days to get power of attorney. Seven years to pay back the loan and interest. Borrowed 500 quid. Paid back £4,672. The trouble is, it's, you know, it's, it's there for people who want these, these short loans, isn't it, really? Terrible. It really is terrible. Uh, Jan says, when Diana died, we were in bed. Well, yeah. Oh, sorry, obviously, we're not with Diana. I woke up in the early hours to hear that Dodie Fired had died. There seemed to be a lot of confusion. And then they announced that the Home Secretary was going to make an announcement. You also know what that was. And uh, I did go to Buckingham Palace to see the flowers. I used to see them down at uh, Kensington Palace. 30 million pounds worth of flowers there were. 30, and they'd lasted, they would have lasted longer if people didn't have them bought in plastic. So, in other words, they were in plastic, in the sunshine. They rotted inside there. So you had acres and acres of flowers. I mean, acre. I've never seen anything like it. Never seen a, a sea of flowers. £30 million. Pounds. And uh, Nasty Bunch in the Celebrity Big Brother house says, Jan, I feel for the elders. They're horrible, aren't they? Why do they think that we'd be remotely interested in some dreary old woman who made a, a porno tape? I mean, is that what television's come to nowadays? Bobby Davro latches onto her. He'll have a nice little chat with her, won't he? I wonder what they'll talk about. And they've, they've already got rid of the porno star, who I'd never heard of. Tila Tequila, or whatever her name was. And uh, who else is in there? Oh, some bloke who had an affair with some other bloke. Like, why are we interested? We're not remotely interested. Not remotely interested. Anyway, she's still making jewellery, is, uh, is Jan for Jangle. So good luck for there for Christmas. It was Westminster Abbey, says Mark. I remember watching the emotional walk down the mall with the two young princes. Yes, I mean, they, have you noticed, it's funny, the royal family, I mean, it's really bizarre that they cry over losing, you know, a ship, and yet nothing for Diana at all. They didn't, you know, they just, the boys walked behind, and, uh, and that's what they did, because the crowds were with them all the way. Absolutely. I think people suddenly realise, you know, just, you know, when she died, all right, not everybody liked her. I don't care, I'm not really bothered about that. Just the fact that it was the biggest outpouring we'd ever seen. Uh, Brian says, I think the pudding is the real thing, and the tart was by Mr Kipling. Do you think there really was a person called Mr Kipling? We know that Colonel Sanders existed. Do you think Mr Kipling existed? Did he really go there and make those exceedingly good cakes? We know Mrs Beaton existed, but do you think Aunt Bessie's real? I worry about these things. I must get a life, I realise, but I'd, I do like to find out. Winnie says, uh, I'm looking forward to going for a nice long run, as I try to do every Sunday in training for the Ealing Half Marathon, the Bournemouth Marathon, then Valencia Marathon in November. I go somewhere different each week and make it a sightseeing run. Last week I ended up in Kensington and found where Dusty Springfield used to live. Might run to Notting Hill this morning to check out the carnival. Yes. I don't, I don't think that's the best thing to do, but never know. <laughs> uh, Angelina says, you could always go running, Steve, with Gemma Collins. Don't worry, though. After five minutes, she'll start to cry and give up. Aren't you delighted she never turned up in uh, in Celebrity Big Brother? Mainly because 
She, you know, she isn't a celebrity. She is big, though. Uh, a rumour has persisted over the years, passed between successive generations of staff working at the company, that the brand is so named after an eccentric biscuit designer who worked there in the 50s and early 60s. An eccentric biscuit designer. What God's name is that? Gary Baldy. <laughs> I used to love dead fly biscuits. Do you remember them? Squashed fly biscuits. Gary Baldy's. What did I buy the other day? I bought them in here. Everybody hated them. Everybody hated I thought I was being really good and generous and, you know, being that caring person, which I am. And so I brought in fig biscuits. Oh, they all turned their nose at me. Snooty people. Fig biscuit. What's that? I said, it's figs. Ooh, no. Like it was something bizarre, like squashed rabbit or something like that, or sort of jugged hair or, you know, black pudding. It's figs, is it? Philip Schofield's got a fig tree in his garden. Apparently he brings them in for holly. Probably a joke there somewhere, I should imagine. Uh, I didn't watch The X Factor, says little Julie, anymore. Used to back in the day when it first started, and especially the one where Alexandra Burke won. Was that the one she sang? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Was it? Am I facing the right way this morning? Why am I not facing the right way? Was it Hallelujah, Alexandra Burkhad? Do you speak English? Mean, is anybody speaking English round here today? <laughs> I seem to have got the, the Romanian bus drivers coming in to drive the programme. I thought she sang Hallelujah, I'm pretty sad. And then she did that uh, heels thing. It was Hallelujah. Oh, thank the Lord for that. I thought I was talking to myself. And then she did uh, those broken heels, didn't she? With a very good... Oh, I'll give up. <laughs> Disappointing taxing them too much this morning. Anyway, a little bit disappointed, says little Julie. A bit disappointed with the lineup. Peter Andrex, say no more, but I'm looking forward to Ainsley. I think it'll be quite fun. And uh, please say hello to Janet, who is wide awake and will be listening live. I like the idea. I wonder what Stig's doing this morning. What's he going to be talking about today? Let's have a quick look at you. Oh, he's got Kevin Maguire in. And um, they're going to be. What are they going to be doing, actually? Uh, he's going to talk about. Oh, the Great Western Strike which is very interesting. Migration. Have we lost the balls to go into foreign countries? Lord, is he really talking about that? Odd thing. Uh, the elusive Banksy and Dismal Land. And uh, Corbyn Mania. Yes, because there's a piece written by Tony Blair today in one of the papers saying, listen, don't, don't vote for him. Really, don't, don't vote for him. He's obviously not a, not a fan at all. Uh, another one here. Uh, M says Bakewell pudding and tarts are not the same thing I didn't realise until we holidayed in Derbyshire I'd love to holiday in Derbyshire, it sounds lovely It's the Peak District, isn't it? That's quite nice How come you know it's the Peak District? You didn't know about Broken Heels and Alleluia and things like that Sure sign where you're coming from For Bakewell tart, think Mr Kipling Was he? Wasn't a cross-dresser, was he, or something like that? Sort of Miss Mr. Kipling at the weekends and Sally Kipling during the week or something. I don't know. And uh, apparently the pudding is a traditional local pudding, of which they're proud. Sadly, we didn't much care for it. <laughs> oh, dear. And uh, another one here that says, um, wait a minute, uh, uh, a merry birthday to Dina. A merry birthday. You can have a merry Christmas. You can't have a merry birthday. Unless, of course, you're like some of my listeners who drink during the programme. Christo being one of them. And uh, London sounds dirty, noisy and crime-ridden, Steve. Not to mention unaffordable. Well, I mean, unaffordable I would go with you on. Absolutely, it's unaffordable. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the amount of, you know, money that you need to find to buy a flat. Around my way, half a million pounds... Gets you a two-bedroom flat. Half a million pounds. I mean, it's, it's almost it's just out of every... I mean, luckily, I bought mine years ago. I mean, I bought when it was cheap. I mean, I bought when they were 70,000. So, 
<laughs> I'm kind of sitting pretty, so I'm, I'm quite happy. But if, if it's a young couple now looking to buy a place, you might as well forget it. Uh, Machu Picchu's in Peru. You can go by the Ellis Bingham train, which is the same as the Orient Express. You should do it, says Jerry, my travel expert in Manchester. Uh, Patrick in Bromley says, Notting Hill Carnival, why not ban it? They were going to move it. They were going to move it, but it, it still goes on. Uh, my ex-hubby, said Trixie, edited the original Neighbours from Hell in the 90s. I sat in the studio for hours uh, while he created the programme. Ah, so now you know. Uh, Bakewell tart is shortcrust pastry. Bakewell pudding is puff pastry. I love puff pastry. Don't you? I'd say what I, my favourite would be a sausage roll, but a proper sausage roll. Not sausage roll filled with, you've got no idea. I want to see a sausage. Almost like um, sort of a long, thin sausage, which would be a chipolata, wouldn't it? Why are you laughing at me? What's that? Well, they're quite... Well, you just get a longer one, don't you? If it's too short, you put two in there. God, you don't have to make them that tiny. I'm not talking about, like, cocktail sausages. I'm, I'm sort of thinking... I mean, chipolatas could be quite nice. Or failing that, you could put a hot dog in the middle and then wrap it with puff pastry. And a bit of... What's the matter with you today? What is the matter? Ever since you got married, you've gone completely round the bend, haven't you? Honestly. Oh, the God, the wife's not listening. Um, somebody else says, I'm also in Lithuania. What is it about everybody in Lithuania this morning? Why are you plaguing me with things? Write to somebody locally. Don't, don't write to me. It's dreadful. Uh, 84850, uk. Mary in Woking says, come over to tea at mine. Squashed fly biscuits and fig rolls are plenty. I love fig... I don't know why, but round here they're so snooty. Seriously, Mary, honestly, I couldn't... I thought they'd all go, oh, that's really nice. Bring in a packet of chocolate digestives. They fall over themselves to rip them out of your hands. Produce a packet of fig biscuits. In fact, I did. I left them on my desk. Two days later, they're still there. Nobody's touched them. Frightened to. Now they're glowing. They're slightly phosphorescent. <laughs> uh, 84850, Um, uh, We've got here... What's this one here? Uh, another one, another one. Oh, we, we've talked about the strikes later on. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin your bank holiday weekend. I really don't. Uh, the revenge porn victims aged 12. They kind of grew up a little bit faster than we did in, uh, in, uh, in our day. Kevin O'Sullivan talking about, oh, did, have you seen the BBC's pathetic programme with Matt Baker, uh, where they were doing something like Big Blue Live. It's, it's Wales. I mean, unfortunately, poor old Matt Baker... It's almost infantile. I mean, we've seen whales before, love. OK, it's not so exciting. And they've started using Liz Bonin. I mean, she wasn't much cop first time round. Second time round, repeating a word she used seven times in one hour, Liz Bonin squealed, Extraordinary! You know, it's a whale. Good heavens above, love. You must get out a little bit more. And then, and then Matt went, You never tire of it. I beg to differ, Matt. After ten minutes of you, we all tired of it. It's as simple as that. Uh, the Great Big Benefits Wedding Live will go down in history of sort of, you know, one of the biggest travesties that's ever been on television. I did love, though, did you see it on the opening night of Celebrity Big Brother, reigning champ, Katie Price, who says, I get on with everybody. Apart from your ex-husbands, dear. <laughs> you hate everybody. They hate you. That's always good news, isn't it? Mind you, she looked dreadful. And the good news is this week that apparently Blackpool is uh, is falling apart. The stag and the hen trips are not going there anymore. The family holidays, the tide has turned for Blackpool. People don't want to go there anymore. It's lost its way. It's a shame, really, because I, I did go to Blackpool. Ghastly place. I don't want to make too much about it, but it's, it's not my sort of place. It obviously appeals to certain people who want to go there. The kids can go on a donkey ride. But if you get above the age of 12, you're not going to be interested in going to Blackpool. You know, and um, 
There's one guy here says people need to stay here a couple of days. This is a bloke who sells donuts. He sells donuts. They've got lots of sort of things like that in Blackpool. Not my most favourite of destinations. It, it, it could be nice, but they need to, need to get rid of all the people there. It's the people that completely ruin it. Quarter to... Coming up at eight on LBC, Stig Abel. It's been another bad week for the House of Lords as 45 more people have been ennobled for no reason. It costs us 100 million quid a year, so isn't it time to shut down this state-sponsored nursing home for political geriatrics? Leading Britain's conversation, Stig Abel, this morning from eight on LBC. What he's going to be talking about this morning, uh, the abolition of the House of Lords. I have to be honest, when you when you discovered last week that Peter Hayne has accepted a peerage, you think, wait a minute, you've been calling for the abolition for ages. Now you've sort of gone, oh, yeah, I'll take that. Thank you so much indeed. You would love to be in the House of Lords. Makes a mockery of the whole thing, doesn't it, really? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, apparently, apparently, apparently. Uh, yes, so I'm, I'll be watching this uh, this payday uh, loans programme. I, I shall have to watch it on sort of a catch-up thing. It's going to drive me mad. I can just tell, actually. And another one here, which says, I'd love the carnival to go from Notting Hill Gate down Bayswater Road to terminate at Trafalgar Square. Um, I don't know, actually, whether... No, no, we don't... No, we're round there. We're round there. We don't, I want to make sure I can get back to a bus stop. Um, uh, Dean says, you wanted to see China, too. Yes, I, I was talking to, actually, uh, somebody who'd been to China. I mean, I lived in Hong Kong for two years. But I'd quite like to... I want to go to the Forbidden City. I just... I just I've, I've got the DVD on it, but I just want to go there and see what it's, what it's like. I think that should be very interesting. I'd like to sort of go there and take it all in, because it's so, it's so big and so vast, and there's so many bits that you can't go and see. Because you know that all, all the, concubine, uh, the concubines killed themselves when it was being broken into, and they were all, they were all hanged. They literally stood, they, they would do anything. And when the emperor died, my God. You need to watch the film The Last Emperor to just realise what it was like there. It was really amazing. Uh, Blackpool Steve is a cesspit. Well, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, it's okay, you know, it's okay if you like that kind of thing. But if you've been elsewhere, like Grimsby, you know, you realise just how bad Blackpool is. Uh, there were more stories in the papers on Kids Company. I didn't want to go down the route there. I'm just, I'm so glad that it all finally came out. Although I don't actually think it's all come out yet. I'm sure that uh, there will be more. Uh, Louis from One Direction. He's going to buy a mansion for the woman that he's got pregnant in America. It's all very peculiar. And he's not living over there and she's not living over here. Can't quite work out what happened there, but never mind. Um... Uh, doctors have called for every sporty child to have a heart test, which I think is a very, very good idea. And uh, the new Bond author confirms uh, the lady killer, 007's worst fears. We think Pussy Galore was a lesbian. I mean, she might as well be. I mean, we didn't actually see her with him. She always professed her love, I thought, for 007. Uh, and rape sentence. There was a story which you'll, you'll find in the papers later on today. Uh, they've actually sentenced a woman to be raped... In, not in this country. This is in, uh, I think this is in India. Now they face arrest. You've never heard of anything so daft. This is, this is little tribal things that go on in villages, which are nothing to do with the law. They've got a separate law going on. They had something a short while ago. This woman was hanged because she'd had an affair with somebody in the village. The man gets off scot-free. Uh, the war on the restaurants. Now that I would like to see a clamp down. The amount of places that are pocketing the money that you give, thinking that you're giving it to your waiter. I always say, cross it off the bill and give it to the uh, the waiter or the waitress, and tell them just put it in your pocket. Don't don't tell anybody. Just put it in your pocket. Uh, Cheryl still looking very gaunt on the television and not really contributing much to the programme at all. Sitting there and sort of trying to smile through these sort of you know 
cheekbones, which appear to have disappeared, is is not so great. Not so great. And uh, what did we else have? Oh, there was Bob the Builder, but I'm sure I did that the other week. Bob the Builder, who has uh, a different voice. I quite like the Loose Women idea for Channel 5, but I don't, I don't think it will necessarily take people over there to watch it. Um, the Man with the Golden Gun is... Uh, on the uh, the front page of the Mail on Sunday's event magazine. Uh, James Bond's back with Pussy Galore for a steamy sequel to Goldfinger. Uh, the ridiculous Tamara Eccleston, who answers her critics, why well, I'm proud of breastfeeding. You haven't got any critics today. Nobody cares about you. Only in your own tiny little mind. Nobody is remotely interested at all. And uh, in You magazine... I'm strong, not skinny. The ghastly Millie McIntosh. That's the drunk from the V-Festival. You remember the one who couldn't stand up there to help her back to a yut? And so they sent her back there, ridiculous woman, honestly. Silly little show-off. She's the one who's, uh, who's married to Professor Green. That's the one whose credibility seems to have disappeared completely. Uh, the son have got the funeral soldier left suicidal. This is one of the men who carried Diana's coffin. And he says the MOD have just tossed him aside after he lost his leg. There's a picture of him. And he says, I was useful once, now they've tossed me aside. It's a very sad story. Uh, also, equally uh, sad in the paper today, Rolf Harris, can't believe he's still around, has had two homemade didgeridoos taken off him by prison bosses. What, he's in prison making didgeridoos? Oh, God's name is going on there. And Kelly Brook apparently thinks she can do a Baywatch pose. I'm here to tell you you can't, OK? I just thought I'd mention that to you now. It uh, just makes it so much easier if somebody's uh, somebody's honest with you. And a pair of uh, randy oil workers have been fired after filming themselves romping in a hotel. What is it with people who want to film themselves nowadays? You know, normally you've got, a, you, know, you know, me on the beach at Bridlington or something like that. You know, you don't film Steve Allen trying to put his swimming costume on, do you? I mean, well, some of you might want to, but, you know... A little bit embarrassing, I think. Uh, talk about embarrassing. Vile Tila Tequila. This is the uh, the woman who was fired from Big Brother. She had been in there a day. And he managed to get the whole day through until they realised because the of the lame researchers obviously hadn't checked on her and discovered that she made uh, some pro-Hitler propaganda in 2013. She said, I was doing a lot of drugs. Stupid woman. Stupid woman. Uh, Farah Abraham lashed out at The Apprentice bad boy James Hill, calling him a a dipstick, I think, or something like that. She was furious when she believed she caught him looking at her in the bedroom. You stupid woman. You stupid woman. Honestly. And, uh, and, um, and then she says, Austin asks Farrah, why do you have so much beef? Meanwhile, Bobby Davra has been made House Prime Minister after beating Janice Dickinson in a task which saw him down liquidised gizzards. Oh, so they're just doing the same as the other. Oh, dreadful. Don't bother watching it. It's so ghastly. Just just wait till it's all imploded. I quite go with the Frankie Boyle idea. I quite like the idea that they're all there in the house. They have the eviction on Friday and the person goes out of the door and then it goes quiet. And then you hear a single gunshot. And then a body drops into the compound. That'd frighten them a little bit, wouldn't it, for the eviction for the following week? Uh, don't forget, Katie Hopkins is coming up this morning, and I know you're going to welcome Katie Hopkins at 10. Stig's got uh, all of those things. He'll be taking lots of your calls as well about the House of Lords, should we abolish it. I think, to be honest with you, with some of the rubbish that's gone on recently, they should have uh, should have done it a long, long time ago. Two-Faced TV crooner slagged off Chezza. This is poor old... Uh, I mean, how old is Cheryl Fernandez Spagbol now? This is a bloke who was doing a, an impression of Justin Timberlake... And uh, Spagbol 
had all these things. I mean, he actually tweeted, how is Cheryl in the music business, let alone a judge? Well, she's not really in the music business, is she? But to it, but she is a judge, although what, what she contributes to it is, uh, is anybody's business. Uh, front of the people this morning, phony factor. These are the girls from the Philippines. They're a professional act. They've, uh, they've won three, three of these talent shows already. Daily Star, Cheryl in porn video shocker. I mean, we seem to be going back to the dark ages, don't we, really? Fake sex tape of X Factor star. Woo! And the benefits mum. You know that woman who's had so many kids? She's bought a, a royal pram now that the royals favour, and she spent £1,000 on it. Woo! Excellent. Another, another dimbo, ladies and gentlemen. Sunday Express. Stem cell therapy will be available within five years. The end is in sight to find a cure for arthritis. That'll be a, a thrill for a lot of people. Let's hope it comes, you know, a bit quicker. And uh, Harry the Lion Saviour. They finally found something for him to do. There's not really a lot that you can find for, for Prince Harry. They don't, they don't really know what to do with him. So they go, why don't we shove him out to Africa and he can sort of pretend to go and work for a vet or something like that out there. And they go, oh, that's a good idea. So Harry the Lion Saviour of Africa. He doesn't actually know how to do anything because he's not trained, but he can, he'll just sort of be able to sort of pose for pictures, which I suspect it's as uh, as far as it uh, as it goes. Just about it for this morning. Thank you very much uh, indeed. Nice to have your uh, company. And I'll be back with you tomorrow morning, bank holiday, but you get three hours tomorrow morning between four and seven. You can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like by downloading the LBC app. It's available on the web- website. And don't forget those two videos uh, which we've downloaded as well for you. William Boyd and Geoffrey Archer in conversation with Steve Allen, and you get the video version, which is recorded in our studio. If you missed any of today's show, that app is free for iPhones and Android phones as well. At 10, it's Katie Hopkins, but next on your bank holiday Sunday, it's Stig